Clemson with time. End to end they go. And there it is. 2.5. It's trained. 71-70. Clemson. Clemson wins. Welcome into the Locked On Clemson podcast. Matt Smith here with you as we are every day bringing you the latest in Clemson hoops, baseball, recruiting, and football. It's all happening here. If it's orange, it's on the Locked On Clemson podcast. And the Tigers got it done. We thought it might be a tight game. We'll talk about where our analysis may have been a little bit off and where we were right on the money when it comes to Clemson's victory over Syracuse 71-70. Who could have predicted, however, Clyde Trapp and Tevin Mack going off, each getting career highs, and Clemson beating that Syracuse zone, not with three-point shooting, as we thought could happen, but with the mid-range game of Tevin Mack scoring 32 points against the Orange. And we'll go over some of those stats in just a couple of minutes, but we want to get uh, to Brad Brownell as well. We've got some audio from Coach Brownell today, and he opens his press conference from last night's victory with talking about the way Clemson was able to get it physical in the second half. The first half was a Syracuse kind of game. They got Buddy Bayheim going. They got the ACC's leading scorer, which we talked about yesterday, Elijah Hughes going. So how could Clemson change things? How could they flip the script? One thing they did, they got more physical. The passing was better. Ball movement and physicality are the keys to Clemson's victories this season. And last night was no different. Clemson wins physical matchups, bumping and grappling and elbows and loose balls and the broken floor. It's Brownell's type of game, and it suits this roster. Just a great basketball game. Uh, Game of runs. I thought we started the game just fantastic, about as well as we can play against their zone. Um, Did a pretty good job defending. Uh, Then I thought... uh, the game turned a little bit. I thought the uh, Gary Air and uh, Dolage started to hurt us on the glass, and uh, they played much better, a little more inspired there in the middle of the first half. Um, and then, you know, the second half was was uh, just a back and forth street fight. Certainly, it was hard there when, when we had the, the bad play where we made they made we made a three, fouled them, F one, two free throws, ball back. Now it's like fifty to forty one, and and. Uh, Lost some air in the, in the building for sure, but uh, just give our kids a lot of credit. Our guys are have been resilient all season. Uh, we just kind of battle and uh, played better. Tevin really got us going. Uh, I talked a lot at halftime about I didn't think our defense was quite as good as it needed to be. I thought it was very good in the second half, and I thought we needed to get a couple of energy baskets, effort baskets off offensive rebounds and hustle plays, and I thought Tevin got a couple of those. and. Uh, Tevin and Clyde just both played an exceptional uh, half and, and second half. And uh, for us to find a way to win that game was uh, was a big time for us. So really proud of our players. So a great job from Brad Brownell. There's no doubt about that. Well coached last night, and this team is starting to respond. Now, we definitely have concerns over Amir Sims and the fact that he hasn't gotten it going, but... 
Well, give him a break last night because Syracuse's 2-3 zone with those two long front court players for the Orange, it just wasn't the best night for Amir Sims to get it cranked up again. Maybe against Wake Forest. I know he didn't play his best game the last time against Wake as they start a seven-footer, but I think that Sims will examine that film along with Coach Brownell and the staff and figure his way back into the offensive game plan for Clemson. You certainly hope so because it wasn't Sims' night against Syracuse. But what a great finish for Clemson, winning in the open floor to finish it off. Kayvon Moore kind of coming up the floor like a point forward and finding Clyde Trapp for the game-winning basket. And as we mentioned, Clyde Trapp, a career-high 17 points, also knocked down 4 of of 7 from behind the arc, and Clemson needed that. But uh, just yesterday, we talked about this matchup, Clemson and Syracuse, and Syracuse holds teams to just 30% from the three-point line and forced 51% of the shots it faced from outside the three-point line. So we thought Clemson will have to hit some threes. They didn't hit a lot, just 9 of 28 out there. And Clemson on the season, 32% from beyond the arc and 32% last night. I didn't think that would be enough to get it done, but they did with great defense, timely baskets, and going 10 of 12 from the foul line, and then you have a monumental night from Tevin Mack, a night he'll never forget. 32 points, 12 of 17 from the floor, 11 of 13 on two-point shots. Tevin Mack found the mid-range game, and it was brilliant. It was so beautiful to see Tevin Mack kind of get in to the teeth of that Syracuse zone. A lot of players have abandoned the mid-range game, not Tevin Mack. He made a living there last night, 31 minutes of work, 7 of 8 from the foul line, and again, 11 of 13 from two-point range. So, just a great victory for Clemson. They do get back to 500 in the ACC, and they do it on the backs of Mack and Clyde Trapp. So where is Amir Sims? Well, yes, he struggled last night offensively, but Brad Brownell says that despite the fact Amir Sims going one of four from the floor, doesn't score until late, really doesn't have the impact that we thought he would have to to beat Syracuse. But Coach Brown now says, don't forget, just Amir Sims being out there is a net positive for the Tigers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I think sometimes um, Amir's value is way more than than just the scoring. Obviously, we need him to score more. uh, But some some games are not going to be that for him. Like, I thought his defense was outstanding tonight. Uh, he, he wasn't guarding a primary player, but his help, his extending on screens, his rotations, his uh, uh, box outs, and, and just I thought he made some terrific plays. And, uh, you know, offensively he made better plays uh, late. He probably wasn't as good early uh, against the zone as we would have liked. He was better in practice. Um, but, you know, obviously we need other guys to step up, and you, you're going to have to have two or three guys play really well. We had Clyde and Tevin have fantastic games. And so Amir Sims is contributing in other ways, but you could even hear in Brad Brownell's voice, 
even after a victory, he wants to Sims to see Sims get it cranked up again, and I think we all do, and I think we all will. Just maybe it won't be against Wake Forest on Saturday. But today is about the celebration of what we saw Tevin Mack do. 32 points, again, 11 of 13 from inside the three-point line. He just cranked up the mid-range game like Rip Hamilton or George Gervin, Alex English, whatever great mid-range shooter you want to compare him to. And uh, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, what a great night it was for Tevin Mack, and it's just good to see. Almost we'll hear Brad Brownell talk about him recruiting Tevin Mack the first time around and finally getting to see the fruits of his labor a couple of transfers later. We'll take a break here on the Locked on Clemson podcast, and when we come back, we'll do what we do every day. We'll touch on football just a little bit, and we'll see where Clemson stands in football recruiting, number one, number two, number three. We'll go over some of the rivals, ESPN and 24-7 composite rankings to see where Clemson lands in terms of signing day. You're listening to the Locked On Clemson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Clemson podcast. We'll get back to Brad Brownell and Clemson's victory over Syracuse last night. And also, we'll look ahead to Clemson Wake Forest. Just big picture for the Tigers, what this means, trying to get back into postseason play. Are they a likely NIT team? Can they find their way into the discussion for the NCAA tournament? They didn't do themselves a lot of favors with some of the early losses However, there are some really good signature victories for Clemson. And as the reputation, in my mind, of the ACC continues to climb, as it gets a little bit healthier and we move closer to the bubble discussion, I think it's going to be difficult to keep you know, some of these ACC teams out, especially if you can get above 500 in conference play. And right now, Clemson is kind of dead center uh, on the bubble discussion for what they need to do because being five and five in the ACC. And I know that this is not one of the vintage seasons for the conference, North Carolina, not living up to its billing, but they're getting healthy with Cole Anthony returning and they're going to be better down the stretch. So Clemson's got some tough games ahead, not just in conference play during the season, but then a part of this is the ACC tournament and how Clemson performs there. So we'll see Right now, the Tigers just have to keep their head down and take care of business one game at a time. And the next game to take care of is Wake Forest this coming Saturday. And let's talk football for just a moment. As we do every day, we like to sprinkle in a little football and what Clemson is up to in terms of football recruiting, and where they land among the rankings. We won't get too deeply into the weeds today. We'll just talk about where Clemson is and maybe where some of the other notable teams are that are going to affect Clemson's playoff chances in the future. You know, just a rundown on where everybody stands um, on January 29th. Clemson is third in the 24-7 sports composite Average and I like the composite average. You know, it takes in the major recruiting sites and where they're ranked. And they've got Alabama number one, 
Georgia number two. Now, I'd say the silver lining in this, look, first of all, the recruiting rankings, I don't know that it matters whether you're two or you're three. You just want to be recruiting at a high level. And that is what Clemson has proven over and over. Not only do they have a plan in place to recruit great athletes now from coast to coast and even into Canada, and you see what Clemson's doing now reaching out into California, where the Paws brand just keeps expanding, it's also about player development. And then Brent Vittable's getting the right kind of players to run his system. And then you also see Clemson is getting elite players always on the outside, at the tailback position, and of course, at the running back position. And then Robbie Caldwell is just developing offensive linemen. Not always churning out high-end, high first-round draft picks, on that offensive line, but they consistently get it done under Robbie Caldwell. That's player development. That's working in conjunction with each other. Five players working as a single unit. So it's all working for Clemson in terms of recruiting. So I just kind of want to lay that groundwork before we even get into, you know, where Clemson lands. One, two, three, four. That probably isn't the most important part of the discussion. But just for context, uh, Clemson is third right now behind Alabama and Georgia. The other part of the silver lining there, Alabama and Georgia are almost always going to knock each other out. Uh, you know, that it's going to be cannibalistic in the SEC. And usually only one, maybe two SEC teams can get in there. But if it is a second SEC team, usually Clemson will be ranked ahead of it uh, in, in the final rankings. So it's all pretty positive there, but Alabama and Georgia, they, it doesn't look like they're going anywhere. Clemson is second in 24-7 sports singular rankings when they only take their only rating, their ratings into account behind only, guess who? Alabama, and right there ahead of Georgia in third, Ohio State, and then LSU is fifth. I want to keep an eye on, you and, uh, an eye on LSU. I don't know that the Bayou Bengals can get back to the college football playoff this coming season with all they lost, but... Ed Orgeron worked quickly, got Bo Pelini back, and is recruiting at a high level. So I don't think LSU can replace Joe Burrow that quickly, get right back, especially with how formidable everything is in the SEC West. And LSU always draws Florida as its permanent partner from the East. So probably not going to happen in 2020 for LSU. But if Ed Orgeron is can do what Dabo Sweeney has done, which is just build a machine, then the high recruiting rankings and the quick hire of Bo Pelini, those are good signs for those fans down there in the bayou. Uh, Rivals still has Clemson on top, number one, just ahead of, again, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, then Ohio State, who continues to put distance between itself and the uh, rest of the Big Ten. And finally, ESPN have Clemson at number one, Georgia two, Alabama third, Ohio State, then LSU. And as you can see, it really doesn't seem to matter whether you're one or five in these rankings, but those are the teams that are going to be competing with Clemson for those college football playoff spots and for national championships in the coming years, even after Trevor Lawrence leaves and if DJ Ungalalele is what we believe him to be, what the scouts have told us that he is, then he's going to be uh, leading Clemson into competition for the college football playoff. So other potential roadblocks. By the way, A&M is sixth in the 24-7 sports rankings. So I think a lot of people a debate in the next three, four seasons, well, maybe even faster than that, is what is Jimbo Fisher building at Texas A&M? They're in the SEC West, so 
hey, tough neighborhood. That's a bad place to be. It's physical over there. And they have to compete every year with Alabama, who's number one in the 24-7 sports composite rankings, LSU, who's fourth, and then Auburn is right behind A&M at seventh. And they'll do what it takes to win. So I don't know how to feel about A&M and Jimbo Fisher. Are we buying or selling what the Aggies are putting together out there? Now, everybody knows Jimbo Fisher can coach. And everybody knows A&M has got deep pockets. But is it the right fit? Is it going to work? And can they overcome Alabama? We've talked about maybe there is a new power rising in the West, but is it LSU who won the national championship this past year? Or did they lose too much? And it's just too fast for LSU. Uh, And the fact that Joe Brady won't be back and is now with the Carolina Panthers. Does that sink LSU's chances to return not just to the college football playoff? Was he really the magic elixir there with Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron won't be able to get it done again? Or is the next power from further west with Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M and those Texas athletes and recruiting the Houston area, can they do enough to overcome Alabama, LSU, and Auburn? It's going to be really interesting to watch. And I want to dig into that a little bit over the next few weeks, and we'll get some other people, some football minds on the show. Are you buying or selling Texas A&M? Because they could be one of those teams that competes with Clemson for the college football playoff in the future. And as we look down the list of the 24-7 sports composite rankings, you don't find another ACC team until 17th and Miami. But can Miami get its act together? They have recruited in the top 30 for almost forever since they hit the scene in the early 80s. Miami's, you know, you can always throw a rock and hit an athlete there in Coral Gables. And they've continued to turn out NFL talent. But can they piece it together? Will they have the discipline? And can they set forth the game plan? And not just a game plan on Saturdays. The game plan as a program to build on success and start winning in the, in the Coastal consistently. And North Carolina's right behind Miami. North Carolina's at 18 in the 24-7 composite rankings. We know Mac Brown can coach. We know Sam Howell uh, looks like the answer at quarterback for North Carolina. But, hey, fortunately for Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, not on the schedule every year. South Carolina is, and they're 19th in the 24-7 composite rankings. So is Florida State, and they are ranked 20th. So there is quite a distance between where Clemson stands, third in the 24-7 sports composite recruiting rankings, and Florida State at number 20. So compare that to what Texas A&M's up against. Texas A&M is sixth in recruiting right now, according to 24-7 sports, and they have got LSU, Georgia, and Alabama, three teams from its own conference and two other teams from its own division ahead of it in recruiting. Clemson, big gap between themselves and Florida State trying to rebuild with Mike Norvell. So that's a a fascinating study there. What can stop Clemson from repeating what it has done the last five years? And you know Dabo Sweeney 
says that the roaring 20s are coming, that this, he wants this to be the best decade in the history of college football, and he wants it happening in Clemson, South Carolina. Well, they're certainly doing the job in recruiting, and I wanted to make sure we shared that with you today. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get a last word from Brad Brownell and then spin it ahead to Wake Forest and how important that game is. Each game grows in importance right now for Clemson basketball as they try to make their way back to the NCAA tournament because every game you win like Syracuse, it raises the stakes. And now they've got to go on the road in Winston-Salem and beat Wake Forest. Wake Forest not a great team, but they're a tough matchup for Clemson. We'll dig into why in our final segment today on the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Clemson with time. End to end they go. And there it is. 2.5. It's training. 71-70. Clemson. Clemson wins. This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast. Matt Smith here with you talking a little bit more about Clemson hoops. The Tigers now 5-5 five and five in ACC play, and they've got Wake Forest ahead. And, of course, Clemson was able to vanquish Wake Forest once this season already, 71-68 at home. That was the big game for Hunter Tyson and the start of this current cold streak that Amir Sims is on, three consecutive games failing to reach double figures. Part of that facing the length of Wake Forest. But Hunter Tyson found the stroke. Clemson, again, 9-4 and four right now uh, at Little John Coliseum. They rode the home crowd's energy to victory over Wake. Things could be different this, however, uh, this time, however, because now you see Tevin Mack emerging. So Hunter Tyson... Career game, career high against Wake Forest. Well, a couple of games later, both Clyde Trapp and Tevin Mack have career highs against Syracuse at home. So now with the matchups, with the personnel, do we see Tyson reemerge? So do you ride the hot hand or do you go with the matchups? That's the decision Brad Brillnell has to make because Tyson did not play that much against Syracuse. Why? He gave the reason. It was really because it was a matchup situation and he liked Trap and Mac out there on the floor, needed them out there on the floor for a couple of reasons, not the least of which was Mac's mid-range shooting against that 2-3 zone of Syracuse. So now, does Tyson get back into the act against Wake Forest on the road. Somebody has to make shots, make plays on the road. So we've seen Trap and Mac career games at Little John Coliseum. Hunter Tyson, career game at Little John Coliseum. Do it on the road at Winston-Salem. That is the challenge lying ahead for Clemson. But a couple more thoughts from Brad Brownell because these are important. Why he does things the way he does at the end of games and why he thinks this team might have success with that. We saw Kayvon Moore pull down the rebound and then push the basketball and make a brilliant pass to Clyde Trapp to get the game winner. You know, doing it Draymond Green style, I guess without the groin kick, but the ability to both rebound and handle, push the ball and make the pass at the end. Great example, expression of Kayvon Moore's skill set there. And then Clyde Trapp comes up playing with confidence 
and makes the finish. So Brad Brownell quickly takes us from the timeout with 11 seconds left with Clemson down one. What he told his team and why he let them play it out rather than taking another timeout and drawing up a play in the huddle. As we get a rebound, let's let's go play um, and see what happens. And if I don't like what I see, I'll call timeout. But if I like what I see, I'm going to let you go. And, uh, you know, Kayvon's good in the open court like that. He got the rebound. Our guys ran, which is was outstanding. We got ahead. Kayvon made a nice little crossover dribble and a fantastic pass to Clyde. And it wasn't an easy finish, um, but Clyde made a great, great play. It was, um, it was really good basketball, uh, you know. I think sometimes uh, fans and media, everybody, you know, you want us to like call some half, get it to half court, get it to the other side, call timeout, try to organize. That's hard. Like that's really hard. And uh, so oftentimes you're better off letting guys go. Like in the open floor, if you feel like they have a chance, you know, obviously a year ago it didn't work out against North Carolina. Uh, tonight it did. Those, those are decisions you make as a coach as you're watching a play go, hoping that your guy can either make a play to the basket, get fouled, and uh, tonight our guys made an exceptional play. And so it is. Clemson at Wake Forest coming up on Saturday. The Tigers trying to get above 500 in conference play. And the last time these two teams met, it wasn't Amir Sims, but Hunter Tyson had the big night. Here's something that is you can draw a parallel between the Wake Forest victory and the Syracuse victory. And that is great three-point defense. Even though Buddy Bayheim hit four of nine, as a team, Syracuse made only 30% of his three-point attempts. Clemson's victory over Wake Forest, and they needed every bit of it because they won 71-68, having to come back from 10 down. They held the Demon Deacons to 24% shooting from the three-point line. So something Clemson, even when they're not hot shooting, and they've only hit 32% of their threes in those two victories, uh, the fifth win in their last seven games – Uh, and two out of the last three, but the win over Wake Forest and then the win over Syracuse, Clemson shot 32% from the three-point line. On the season, Clemson shooting 32% from the three-point line. So it's probably too much to hope for that they get red hot and can ride that outside shooting to victory on the road. They'll need the mid-range game. They'll need Amir Sims to contribute scoring this time. And they might need Tevin Mack to do a little bit of what he did against Syracuse. At the end of the day, these games are about players making plays. And Tevin Mack got into the high post and made plays. And, uh, you know, that uh, jump-started our offense. It got guys some confidence. We made some other plays out of it. But it was really us getting the ball to a good player in a good area and letting him make plays. And uh, tonight he was able to do it. You know, one thing that's been overlooked a little bit is, is uh, you know, Tevin's a primary player for us. Uh, you know, he's a guy we need to score. He's a guy we, you know, we told him that when we recruited him. You know, uh, told him that four years ago when I recruited him. It wasn't as appealing then. Uh, <laughs> got more appealing when he didn't get to do it as often at some other places as I thought he was. I'm sure they told him the same things. Uh, but anyway, it, it is. I, I think it's harder then people realize, especially if you haven't been that guy for two or three years, and now all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to, you know, and then early in the year, I don't think people scouted him as much, so he's scoring, and then he goes through a drought, and he's struggling, and 
now he's kind of come back a little bit. And what was great tonight is, you know, he made baskets without making threes. He found other ways to score. And that's what we've kind of been encouraging him to do is be more than a three-point shooter. And uh, But I think it's more difficult than people realize when you're not kind of wired that way uh, for the last couple years to, to just kind of have that much freedom to now all of a sudden, you know, you're expected to do it and we need you to do it. And, uh, you know, he's had several games like this where he's been special. So that's a wrap for today's Locked On Clemson podcast. We'll continue to preview Clemson and Wake Forest as we head into the weekend, and we'll get back into our feature that we've been running through this late winter before we get into baseball, which is Clemson's 29-game winning streak in football. We're ranking those 29 games in order of significance. We're all the way up to number nine, and then we'll have some other analysts and maybe former Clemson Tigers, some buddies of Will Merritt, uh, join us and we'll see what they think of my list. I'll share it with them just as I'm sharing it with you, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is the Locked On Clemson Podcast.